Good evening, everybody. It's another Wednesday night, the 1st, the 1st of March. Um, we've had a little break, uh, fair to say, and we're finally kicking the year off our style um, with episode 88 of So What's Been Happening. What's been happening? A uh, hell of a lot, to be honest. It's an exciting time. Gigs are a frenzy at the moment. If you, are, if you haven't, put it this way, if you've a band and you haven't got your stuff together early and booked venues, uh, you're going to struggle to about May at least by now. So it's really hard to get a venue at the moment, um, but a really exciting time. There's so much on. Um, it's a special time to be in in and around music and sport. Sport's about to kick off again with the AFL and NRL kicking off. Um, so here we go. Episode 88 of So What's Been Happening. Uh, special guest tonight from Cold Ironsbound. Uh, if you haven't heard of this band, um, please do your research and get out and uh, check these boys out. It's fantastic tonight. We've got more than one member of a band um, all on tonight. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, Lovey, you know what this has been like, uh, having multiple people on the show all at once. Anything can happen. So here we go, mate. Welcome back, bud. You know, mate, how you going? Yeah, good, good. We finally uh, kick-started 2023, mate. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's been that long since we've done a podcast. I couldn't even think up a stupid name. I've just actually put my actual name there instead for a change. It's weird. <laughs> um, yeah, episode 88. I'm surprised you haven't done a, a, a... Have you got a montage of the year 1988 or the number 88 at all? I have, but funnily enough, I'm a bit out of practice, so I didn't even put any jersey number 88s and all that. So quick apologies to Brent Burns, who plays for the San Jose Sharks, a good friend of the show. Um he sadly well, there's a, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a certain superstar, best all-time uh, wide receiver in Michael Irvin from the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I'll give you that one too. There's a um, special 88s. But here we go. There's Let's quite play a lot it. of 88s. Let's play hey? it. Flashback. Let's play it, eh? Back 1988. I had to get the little cheeky wag in there, mate, that uh, didn't ever happen. 1988, what a horrible year for the Demons. Yeah, what a... What a I, I, just looking back on those things, mate, they were, they, I felt sorry for the D's that day. I was only, I was, I was 12 years old and I thought, God, I hope Essendon never go through something like that in a grand final. Um, that, that was just horrific to watch, even as a 12-year-old. Um, but, geez, that decade was, I reckon that decade, there's some things that stick out for me. Um, I reckon the first, that was the first decade and I reckon the best decade that comedians in movies were absolutely huge. Um, Chevy Chase, Eddie Murphy, you saw all those guys in there. Some of the some of the best movies of the eighties were were those iconic com comedy movies. Were just hilarious. Um, biggest sporting disappointment that decade, no doubt, Ben Johnson, eighty eight final. That sucked the wind out of the Olympics altogether. Distinctly recall um, the news bulletins on the next morning, and everyone just thought, "Well, how can this happen? It's hundred meters. It's." You know, this guy just, everyone thought he was awesome. He beat Carl Lewis and, um, yeah, two days later, he's disqualified. So that was a bit of a, a shock. But um, the 80s was a bit weird music-wise too, wasn't it? It got, it got weird. It got a little bit, it was very much um, parachute pants started to come in and a little bit more flair uh, yeah, with the music. Uh, the Brits, the Brits got their their own version of music up and running. Um yeah, it was it was it was a good decade. I enjoyed. It. I, I really remember it well. It was awesome. It was funny actually, flicking back at that footage. My memory of '88 in the grand final, obviously a game to forget, but the game was over by half time. 
halftime on the screen, that was when they ran the race um, of Ben Johnson. And I'll never, ever forget Bruce McAvaney. Like, he won by a street, and he McAvaney knew there was something up to, and he said, if it's legal. So it was a massive call. Yeah. But he was actually referring yeah. to the the wind at the, the wind from the time. So in relation to the world record, but who who well, would have known it would be such an ball? Well, the theory is, and it's been proven, six of the eight finalists were doping anyway, including Carl yeah. Lewis. So yeah. it was a bit of a fast in the end. I mean, it was just it was just really sad, just disappointing. Yeah. And another big highlight for me at '88 was Cool Runnings. Who will ever forget the Jamaican bobsled team? Hey, um, yeah. in and around that time. So. All right, mate, let's move on quickly because I know you've uh, – I want to capture you for as much time as we've got and talk to the boys. Um, so let's bring on a few of the boys from Cold Irons Bound. We're going to kick off with the uh, – well, I call him the spiritual leader and the squadron leader, but I'm not really sure if he is, so we'll find out that tonight too. Um, Mr. Mark Adams. How are you, Mark? G'day, fellas. Don't underestimate Bruce McAvaney. He might have known what was going down, don't you think? Big chance. The whole time. He was just being coy about the wind. Yeah, definitely. He'd spent 20 years in athletics prior to that, so, yeah. Thank you. It's a democracy. There's there's definitely four equal heads in our band, but happy to go first. Thanks for having us on your first show of the year. Why'd you have to wait till uh, autumn? Well, a little band called Cold Irons Band decided they were going to have a couple of gigs here and there as well, so we thought we'd have to get out and about um any night of the week's a good night to be out and there's so much on at the moment uh, it's an exciting time to be in music no doubt yeah it's busy as uh my friend works in um backline hire um and they're so busy right now there's big shows medium-sized shows festival season i mean it's always festival season really there's so much going on all around the place we're just happy for our band to be able to slot in and like you say You've got to get in months ahead uh, to get your shows booked. It's all happening. You do. All right. What we're going to do before we start talking too much, we're going to bring up the other boys to say a quick g'day, um, and then we're going to talk about the band and what's what's really happening um, and what's been happening with you guys. So welcome, James. G'day. How you doing? Good. James Alderman, the, the classic, beautiful drummer of this band. Well, I, I don't know about beautiful, but I'll, I'll, I'm happy to take drama. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't necessarily about looks, mate, but it's all uh, you take that one on board too. And uh, also, Sam uh, Sam Fidian that plays bass and backing vocals. Welcome, Sam. Good to be here. Good to see everyone. Sam, good to meet you. James, good to meet you, Mark. Awesome. Et. I love it. So a little bit of background, boys. I'm not sure if uh, Sam and James know. We put this pod- podcast together originally just to generally have a chat during the times of COVID, um, and that's really where it started. And we got a muso mate on that happened to be um, on for the first uh, chat that we really had. And then from there, 87-odd episodes kicked on, and we're into episode 88 after two and a half years of just continuing this. And we found it just a great chat a release we we kind of feel like we step into your lounge rooms for an evening and have a chat about life and uh, music's been obviously a great outlet for so many people and we understand that not only musicians but artists and everyone else really struggled during that time so we all got together and put a big generic um, hug around everyone and and had that chat so it's been great and thanks for joining us boys welcome 
Thank you. Cheers, mate. Nice to be here. All right. Um, let's kick off with probably where this band first kicked off. Obviously, we'll talk about music influences and where it all came from, but when? what's the inception of Cold Irons Bound? What year are we talking and how did it first come together? I reckon we're nudging 10 years probably, drawing the longest bow. Let's say eight or nine and Ben and myself, Ben might be able to jump on the core bit later, but Ben and myself had a batch of songs. We knew James and Sam uh, as friends. They were in another band. Um, that band was sort of finishing up and it was just so easy to sort of insert a rhythm section into these tunes we had. And I don't know if you agree with that, Sam and James, but it felt that easy and it just started and it's always just been about the, the tunes. The tunes were there first and the friendships were there first, so no one ever auditioned to be in this band or any of that sort of malarkey. It's just always been the four of us, for better or worse. Um, yeah, nine years, first record was 2016. So there you go. And this is the third one that's starting to creep out now. Fantastic. I, was just, um, I, I found an old demo going through an old box and it said 2010, amped it up, cold irons bound. So that must have been, that was a while ago now. Um, that's what this CD said. So it's been about 12 years, I think. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. Away from COVID. It's just a white CD that said uh, cold irons bound, amp it up. Amp it up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I should listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> that that, that blows eight or nine years out of the water. Um, don't ask me any more number questions, all right, fellas? <laughs> Except the drum. How many concerts have you played? No, I'm joking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I always get fascinated as to how bands actually do get together and, you know, you hear all sorts of funny stories. I mean, for me, I, I imagine were you guys – best of mates back in 2010 and, and all that sort of thing? Or did you see each other at different gigs and, and you decided, well, he sounds like he's going to go all right for us and we'll throw something his way. How did you guys actually form? Uh, it's always good to hear these, these, these awesome bands get together. It's funny, after we got asked this a couple of weeks ago and, and Mark and I were just talking afterwards and um, I have this recollection of um, sitting out the back of, I think it's the Birmingham or something like that with Sam and Mark and and I think that's when we all decided yeah it's going to happen I don't know if Ben was there or not but um and just remember like so we we we, we knew of Ben and Mark's old band Red Letter and Sam and I had played together and we just sort of came out of that um but I just remember yeah just saying oh well it's not going to sound like Red Letter and it's like well that's fine It'll sound like however it sounds, and it and it did, and that's pretty much as much thought that went into it, I think. Yeah, it was it was easy, and that's probably why memories are a bit hazy. Also, the fact we were sitting out the back of the pub, but we, <laughs> I was going to ask, was it a sober choice? Yeah, we we had a bunch of tunes, and we knew each other, and it was just no particular style, no particular you know preconceptions. Let's just get it together. And Sam and James are rhythm section, and Ben and I are guitar players who had. I think it was five or six songs, some of which went by the wayside, some which made on it onto the first record. And it was like just instant band almost without thinking about it too much. 
So mm. all good all good bands come together from a big magic jam session. Yeah. Uh, when they first kick off, how did how what how did it kick? Is it, is that what happened with you guys? And where was it? Do you remember? We've never been one to jam, have we? We don't. It's sort of songs we've got. We've never had a problem with lots of material. If the material's any good, is up to others to judge, I suppose. But it was. We had a swag of tunes, and we just started playing them. We jumped into a rehearsal space and had a set list already. Do you know what I mean? Um, wasn't some magic jam. Uh, it just started happening, and here we are. Somewhere between eight or twelve years ago, depending on the dates on that CD. Crazy. And I think there would have been maybe like yeah, there was at least one cover song like "Alcoholiday" by Teenage Fan Club, which we all knew and sort of, you know, lubricated things, I guess. But yeah, it was just um, suck it and see. Here's the song, and we just joined in. I think. Lovey. Yeah, I, I, it's always fun hearing. Original stuff like the, the cover band thing was a '90s kind of format for me. Anyway, um, I always enjoy hearing new bands with new, or not new bands, but different bands with all their their, their own stuff. So, how do you guys? If you guys don't jam together, how do the songs get together? How how do you actually put all of this stuff together if you don't really jam that often? Yeah, I, I guess by jam we were saying like long instrumental journeys which ironically has sort of come along with some of our longer tunes. But, yeah, it was just here's the structure of the song, let's get into it. So it was always about sort of pre-written songs, lovey. So Ben and myself had a batch, and, and that's still what happens. We, we bring them in, but James and Sam immediately start ripping them, ripping them apart in the band room. Um, the single, which I think you're going to play today, for example, was longer. Do you remember that, James? I was just thinking about that the other day. It went, it went yeah. around the chorus one more time, and you got your axe out and went. And I think it's for the better. Um, so yeah, the the songs come in and then they get torn up and improved. Hopefully, like they 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 get everyone's stamp on them. I was thinking today too that that song, well, this song, um, the single, was a late one. We, we had Mark and I had agreed on the record because <laughs> we were doing a lot of the jamming. We we're going to lay down the beds together and um, it was done. And then he comes around one day, oh, here's a new one. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> he did that a couple of times, but yeah, it ended up being, you know, once we got through it, it was immediately, well, this is going on the record. Beautiful. All right. What we're going to do, Mark, I know you've um, been kind enough to find your axe for the night um, and just give us, give us a little something. Um, just to break it up a touch. Um, I'll give the single a crack. I've, I've never really played it acoustically before. Um, it'll be a bit slower, but let's give it a crack. I would just as soon never tune in at all. Don't want to add it back or attempt to recall. Intellectualize all you want. I wasn't thinking at all. Everybody squawks in the sky till they're blue. Baby, that's how they all think they're meant to move. You can turn away for a while. Get at your neck when you do. You want to know what I'm thinking about. You keep 
doing that for us um no pressure in fact that's, right. that's <laughs> awesome thanks Elton. just looked yourself on spotify got you in the library now and you'll start listening a lot more of that that's um i love it good on you mate thank you beautiful coldironsbound.com is what you're looking for um yep. boys tell us about the name firsty firstly obviously there's a reference um just talk to us where'd it come from what else were you throwing around at the time what what didn't what made the cutting or well, got chopped off first and hit the cutting room floor? What, what some, was the name? Some will never be able to tell you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like really horrible. <laughs> no. Not tell our children or, or anybody in any public forum whatsoever. They've been cremated, have they? The, the first one that was used was Cloud Canyons, I believe. Yeah. And I thought that was just awful. Hmm? Oh, man. That's the one I was referring to until I realized what Mark was talking about, which is much, much worse. But, uh, yeah. Cloud <laughs> Canyons was a bit light and airy, wasn't it? And uh, yeah. And there was already Bound another though. cloud band around on Triple Cloud Control or something. Like, it was yeah, just like it was just long, a yeah. bad idea. Yeah. Now, that name died pretty quick, didn't it? Um, Cold Iron's Bound is a Bob Dylan song. Um, Someone have a room at the Coburg Hilton. Don't know sure. what you're on about there, Gaz. Does anyone know what that comment refers to? Uh, oh, Gary. Gary. Uh, Gary. That's a Gary one, that. <laughs> so, like, maybe like any half-decent name, we stole it. Um, it's a Bob Dylan song. Um, none of us are Dylan freaks, although we, we uh, play the odd Dylan cover and Bob 
obviously, you know, you can't ignore Bob Dylan. We have a lot of respect for him and his band and whatnot, but just liked the idea of the name of sort of being locked into something, I suppose. Again, a bit like forming, didn't think a lot about it, like agreed on a name and and here we are. But, yeah, Cold Iron's Bound is a, is a Dylan song. I, I think in his catalogue, one of the better known ones of the, the later era. Um, he won a Grammy. Yeah, there you go. So it's got a pretty high profile. So we we got to get used to answering this question. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's stuck. Yeah, and in hindsight... It was probably too well known because it, it still dominates Google results when you put it in. So <laughs> maybe we should have thought about that. But well, just just to give you guys confidence, Cold Iron's band on Spotify just then came up. Band first. Bob Dylan was only second go. or third. So We're winning. We're winning. there you go, boys. Yeah, you got him covered. You know, if we ever bother his legal team, we know we're reaching a pretty wide audience. Other, yeah, other than that, we'll just, at that point. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> leverage, leverage. We go with um, whatever you got to do to uh, get more plays, guys. What, what are your thoughts? While you hit, we talk about Spotify, Spotify, it should be um, your thoughts on the digital platform now um, versus you know buying the the old school CD vinyls tapes. Um, it's a different world now, isn't it? As I'll a consumer, admit. I love it. Yeah. As a consumer, it's great. As a performer or friends that I know who play, it's awful, awful. Yep. But a consumer, it's amazing. I could define new bands quite a lot. And, you know, I know no one gets paid, but however, as a yep. performer, it's awful. I think it means, yeah, having physical merch at your gigs is more important, you know, and, and mm. we're all yeah. happy to buy our mates' CDs and vinyls and that sort of thing, yep. um, mm. you know, and don't buy... Taylor Swift's new album for my daughter or something like that, you know, it's like that can be on iTunes. So, um, you know, I, I think there's still room to do the right thing, but yeah, I don't feel too bad about consuming it. Like Sam said, cause yeah, there's so much stuff I can listen to that I just wouldn't pay for normally. Yeah. What's your thoughts, Mark? I, I, I tend to agree. It's like just this enormous growing treasure trove of the whole popular music canon you can just do your research and go into anything it just reminds me i was reading this thing jeff tweedy was talking about when one of his sons was really young his kid he was seven or eight said dad what's disco and jeff just gave him his phone and said every disco record ever made is right there press the green button spotify look it up enjoy and he did i mean that's just amazing and there's so many rabbit holes isn't there yeah. And when you want to pay for something, you want to support a band or you really like something, you can you can do that too. So as long as that option's still there, that option will always be there in some way. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I think the ability of reach is a really important thing too. You know, to be able mm. to get to so many more people in every part of the world within an instant. Um, well, <coughs> things have changed a little bit now in relation to how you get it out there and whether you're seen or not. But um you know, to be able to record something, put it together and get it out there, um, you know, it's a massive platform now. And obviously, congratulations to you guys actually getting signed now with Golden Robot Records. That's an awesome result. Uh, just tell us a little bit about how that came about, Mark, or any of the um, boys. Th those guys seem to have a lot of nows in that digital space. So that was pretty much the reason. We we talked a couple of labels last album, didn't work out. Um but it's good to be able to do it now. We thought we'd give it a crack. 
and Golden Robot are big on digital platforms. So that's good because, yeah, to date, we just put our stuff up there and didn't really push it enough. And, and as you say, there's a lot of complexity now about, you know, getting playlisted and getting added and getting, getting seen. Um, so hopefully they can help with some of that. But, yeah, it's been a good relationship so far. They've got some artists we really respect, people like Nick Barker, who I know is a friend of this show, uh, Leadfinger, um, Lachlan Bryan and the Wilds, a, a ton of bands we really like and respect are on that label. So, yeah, here we are. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it must feel, it probably has a bit of um, almost relief to be with a, with, a, with a label, I suppose, wouldn't it? Like, it, it's, it's it's nice to be on a label and it's good. You've got that guaranteed opportunity of being able to go out and produce your thing. But is, is it like a form of, uh, like a, is it like a security blanket to be on a label and be able to do some more different, more or different things again because you've got that security there with it? Yeah, I guess so, Lovey. I mean, it's it's definitely. I mean, there's a bit of cachet that it buys too to just say, you know, there's a label involved, third record in. It's probably something we should be doing. You could argue we should have done it last time around. So yeah, I think so. It's just added layer of professionalism. A security blanket's a good way to put it. Again, the digital stuff we have a say in, but they handle that very well. That's sort of what they do. That's their core business. Um, not just putting it up there, but 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 flogging it in those environments, which we're still learning a lot about. So yeah, it's a weight off our shoulders, to be honest. Yeah, yeah we, good. we can stick to the stuff good. that we know, which is, I suppose, you know, writing tunes, recording them. We've we've taken a lot more record making in house with this one, and you know, playing shows and being a band rather than worrying too much about, as Aaron says, that massive growing space of the the digital streaming world. Got one last question. I actually have to go, um, but you'll still have AC at least for another half an hour. Good luck with that. Um, just, just, I have to say it, mate. Um, now, my, my birthday's on the April of 12th. Are you guys in Melbourne around that time? Are you guys gigging early April? Do we know that for sure? Because Aaron hasn't invited me to a cold time uh, uh, one of your gigs yet, so... Bit disappointed, um, but I'm I'm hoping that you guys might be in Melbourne at that time. I can see oh, Sam. I'm looking. I, I can see I'm Sam looking. looking at the calendar. April twenty-two. There you go. With Luke Sinclair. That'll do. Come to that. That'll be great. Let's okay. go to that. Yeah, awesome. Let's go to that. AC, don't forget, mate. Put it in your diary, can you? And we'll we'll, go, we'll hold hands together. We'll go to that one. I guarantee you, you can go to one before then. Uh, and that's a very important one. So let's whack, let's whack that right in the middle of this set before we go too far. And here it is, mate. Yeah, well, okay. Launch. Single launch time. Single launch time. George Lane, Saturday, Saturday the 11th of March. This is a matinee. You, you've given me zero notice, mate. I'm already booked at another gig. Well, cancel you've it. Got to be, you've, got to be better, you've got to be better than this, mate. It is ridiculous. Is that, bring, bring back merch. Bring back some merch good? for me at least. I will. Absolutely. This What's is that, a Sam? Sorry, mate. This is a matinee gig. Yeah, you can you do can both. Yeah. Yep. You'd be home in time for dinner and then you could go to your nighttime gig. Where do you live? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's. Have you got people Don't chasing me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, look it up. 
Look at that. So, up near the hills. Look at lots of gigs up this way there, too. No, nah, it's not. And a massive, right, a I'll, massive try, positive. I'll sort something out with Aaron. That's all right. And a, and a massive positive. There's another band you must see who are performing with these boys on the same night, Golden Rail. Uh, good friends of the band. Um, boys, just tell us a little bit about that connection with Golden Rail. I think that it's a magic little show we, that both of you put together. Um, seen it recently at the Gem. Um, where did that come from? What's the connection with Golden Rail? Because I can see every time you guys play together, it really raises the bar of who's who's on and needs to be on for the, for the night. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, thanks for saying that, mate. I think we feel the same way. Played with them a lot. And Jeffrey from the Golden Rail, who plays guitar in that band, hops up with us and plays um, some lap steel. And that's the first time we've ever done that again. Like we were saying before, no one's ever auditioned for our band. It's always just been us, for better or worse. You know what I mean? In the shed, just heads down. So Golden Rail have inspired us to sort of invite Jeff on stage. And he's like the loveliest dude in the world. Great player, as they all are. And yeah, those gigs that we share are just, they feel great. It's great to hear that that's what it feels like out in the audience. And hopefully we can repeat it again on Saturday the 11th, three o'clock start. Beautiful. Um, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter who's first um, on these bills between you guys. I think you're a very evenly matched band, to be honest, um, and complement each other. And I, I definitely think that every time I've seen you guys together, um, yeah, it's a case of raising the bar on the day. I think uh, you definitely play – I wouldn't say you play better, but it's definitely a challenge, I think, for you guys. Um, you, you, if they're playing first, you guys get a nice pep in the step, I'm sure, uh, and you, you do. I think you do have to raise the bar. So what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, they're a great band. I, I, I love love seeing them every time we play with them. Um, so I'm sure it gets us in the right mood for sure. Um, and just on that, I'll play uh, a little bit that of, of a show you had not long ago at the Union. Um, and this has got a little bit of a little teaser from Jeff on the air as well. too much of that because you've got to be at the next gig to witness the rest of the magic but guys three-part harmonies like it's absolutely beautiful honestly uh, i think you guys really nail that it's a beautiful feature of the band um so yeah shout out to you all on that um ben who can't be with us or not with us at the moment i wanted to make sure we we had a little snippet in there of him because um 
you know, he he's fantastic as well. So it's a it's a great band, and it's not often, honestly, that you see a a bass player in the middle. I think that's a pretty cool feature, Sam. Uh, I've seen it actually recently, probably more than I've noticed it with you guys. I've noticed it in a few more bands. It's but like it's like when someone buys a certain model car, and you just like, oh, yeah, there's another one. There's another one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Slayer, Slayer, yeah. the Church, Sonic Youth. That you're gonna make Sloan. a mess of me now. Thin yeah. Lizzy. The, the list goes on and on and on. You'll notice it. Yeah, I'm the cheapest in the middle. But uh, it's not my choice. Not my choice at all. But it sort of makes sense. Well, it works for the guitar amps. And um, works, I, I think neither Mark nor Ben want to take the, the leader of the band position. You know, they're both songwriters, both singers. So, yeah, it sort of makes sense to have Switzerland in the middle. Hmm. Yep, fair enough. And a bit um, of symmetry, right? Yeah. Sam's the tallest. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, and a, and a nice little um, tribute to you guys from Berkey, um, who we all know well, good friend of the show. He's been on our show a few times um, and always would love to. If he had good internet connection, somehow he's been able to send me a message here but not be able to get on. So um, it's a great call. Great tunes, extremely well played with luscious harmonies, unbeatable. That's not a bad quote, boys. Use that one. Yeah, that's very kind. I remember I, I knew who, you know, the beauty of social media, right? blessing and a curse i knew who berkey was for like a few years before i actually met him yeah. and we were playing george lane in fact i think you were there aaron mm. and we finished had a good show we were playing before the luke sinclair set it was a buzz to play with them it was a buzz to play at that venue and i just checked my phone as you do after the gig and berkey said something nice like that he said i think something like just seen my favorite new band or something like that and it was just yeah. such a good feeling this guy who's known as a punter a bit of a tastemaker saying something nice about our band that's that's i don't say that's what it's all about but those things are nice any musician who says that's not doesn't touch them blind to you yeah yeah i must admit i i used to go and see bands as a kid then life got busy life got in the way um as we as the great band even has written a song about um and it's so true we talked about it the other night quickly mark but um I stopped going to gigs effectively, had a young family, did work. And then it was to, for Berkey's credit that uh, he said, come on, mate, you got to go and see these band. And we've been inseparable ever since uh, to the point where we've probably seen at least a hundred uh, bands a year, which is a, a minimum. So um, I've, we've seen you guys multiple times. So that's a testament to, uh, you know, you're a repeat offender for us. Um, and that's, that's, that's a good sign. So uh, thanks again for, playing your beautiful music and writing so many songs. I mean, you talk about, you talk quickly about, um, you know, not being short on material. Now that must, that must be a challenge for some bands, but in your case, um, it's not. Um, what's your process? Uh, who comes up with it? Is it lyrics? Is it riffs? Where, where does it start and come from? Uh, obviously every song's got a different probably mix and how it came together, but just give us a couple of, um, Maybe for the new song, give us a, give us a bit of an indication of how that came together. Yeah, as as James was saying, that one snuck in just at the end, like it got on the batting order by just sneaking into the change rooms. Really, it was the last one we let through, and it ended up being the single. Um, I reckon there's a there's a file. We just have a G drive environment where we keep all the demos and stuff. I reckon there's ninety songs in there now. That's yeah. pretty. That's pretty sad. That suggests a serious preoccupation with songwriting. <laughs> Again, 
not all of them are great um and it's up to other people to decide whether it whether it's worthy or not it's great that you like it aaron um but yeah it's definitely a song type band I, without being corny i think of it as like a vehicle for songs because again that's how we started ben and i had a swag of tunes and we're getting a bit bored of playing them duo acoustic you know what i mean so that a band was born with some common friends with common interests. So yeah, they get, they come from Ben or I, they get demoed. Doesn't have to be a good quality demo. And then we start chucking them around in the band room and really ripping them up. And we're pretty brutal with that many songs coming in. Quality controls pretty crushing at times. It's like, nah, that's out. It's not a CIB song or I just don't get it yet. And it goes onto the back burner. Or into the bin. I think songwriting something you just got to do the ten thousand hours. Um, keep going. I'm not suggesting we're there yet, but you just you mm. got to keep going. There'll be good songs and there'll be bad songs, and there'll yeah. be in between songs. Yeah. So I think more is more is more. Sure, and no doubt you guys are perfectionists in what you do, and and it's always something you stew over. And when's it ready? With that many songs, you know, you work through what with what's going to make it. How's this going to come together? Um, Guys, when tell me when when is it right? When if, when is it considered finished? Um, obviously, there's the then there's you know you, you put it down and record it, and then there's the big word called mastering, and that can go on forever. And there's session after session. Just tell us a little bit about you know what's do some songs come together quickly? Other songs take forever. Tell us, Sam. Give us a little bit of an insight first, mate. What's your you know what's your process? Well, I was about to say to answer the first part of that question was. It's going to come together at the next gig. It's always the next gig it'll come together. But recording it, some of these songs took me an awful long time because we were doing it. Uh, this particular recording process was very, uh, you know, we were separated. I was doing it from this room and uh, I couldn't get an awful lot of this stuff kind of right because I didn't have that feel of the people around me. But um uh, so it took me a long, took me quite a long time to get takes right, and then, oh yeah, no, that's ready now. Sort of send that off, and then um, yeah, just I don't know. Um, this one took a while for me personally, but yeah. just to get right, attempt to get right anyway. But, um, maybe, yeah. maybe we've got. Try and say that it is actually right. Um, I don't I still don't know if it is still right, but other people seem to like it, so that's fine by me. You know. Maybe we've got to that point as a band where we know when it's right. Like, yeah, not getting it, not getting it, not getting it, bang. Yeah. And and I think we tend to then not embellish because we're a rock and roll band at the end of the day. There's a lot of acoustic stuff and sort of rootsy stuff, slide guitar and alternate guitar tunings getting into, you know, geeky muso territory there. But as Sam says, I think we know when a take's got good feel and that's good enough to, to move on. We're not layering tons of stuff uh, unless the song is particularly, you know, trippy in nature. There's one or two of those, but just get to that place where it feels good, good groove, and go on to the next one. Yeah. So, James, where did this this album in particular, um, was that born in, before, during, after COVID? Where, where did it get for you guys? Sam obviously talked about, record, you know, putting his part together from a distance. Was that just for the one song or was that for the whole the whole album effectively that's coming it, it, it's <clears throat> sorry it, it spanned the whole time we 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 had sort of i know we were in the early stages of maybe 
thinking about getting all the songs together um, beforehand. I'm, I'm, I can't really remember. It was sort of in between lockdowns that um, Mark and I in particular started getting together and jamming and, and the other guys when they could. But bearing in mind, Ben was in Frankston and Sam was in Castlemaine. It made, I mean, Sam couldn't get into the team couldn't get into town at some point yeah um so we did it when we could um and then we dropped it again because we were locked down and we picked it up again and we we cancelled recording the beds at least twice i think <laughs> um which in hindsight maybe wasn't a bad thing because we were, we were more prepared and i i think if we hadn't done it the first time like we, we planned in the, the march or the april and we ended up recording the beds in november i think um and i don't think i wasn't thinking at all was even there in april we might have missed it so yeah. so yeah it, it, it worked out for the best i think but um i think we're getting better at all this like what you know you're saying when's the song ready i think when we did the second album at least one of the songs wasn't ready until a year after we recorded it <laughs> um yeah. It's um, it was a struggle in the in the studio, and then it didn't really click. Um, but this album, I feel we we got everything pretty much there, and um, I think we're getting much better at it. And I think you know, Mike and I have already talked about moving on to the next batch of songs, and it'll be better again. I think, um, yeah, just practice makes perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to hear that you know I've spoken to a lot of bands that have had music born out of COVID or during COVID. Um, and in, for some, it didn't seem to really nail it on the album as such. And the sound's a little bit different for them. And and it's kind of been a case of we've got to cut it at some point. Either the budget runs out or the, or the other label says, mate, we've got to go. Let's go. Um, but it's, I mean, I, I know for you guys, I'd much prefer you, you guys live are a whole different, I wouldn't say it's a massive energy, you know, on stage presence, but it's a big sound, you know, I think. And and it's, I think maybe that's the harmonies that capture, you, you know, right in front of you. And there's just a bit of chemistry, uh, I think, that works so much more than just a listen on an album. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, guys, and whether you've had any of that kind of feedback. But uh, I think gig by gig, um, anyone I bring that I've said, listen to this first, and then bring them to the gig. It's definitely been the live gig that they've had more interest in than than the, than listening to the single. So it's it's just a bit of uh, I don't know. It's whether it's good feedback or bad feedback, but um, it's great to know that you play great live, isn't it? Yeah, you could say that's practice. It's purely practice. We used to get together and sing harmonies, Mark and I and Ben, who's no, not here at the moment. Um, on Friday nights, we used to go up. We used to live around the corner from each other, sort of, um, and we used to sing, sing together, play, play guitars, drink some beers, and sing together. And it was really quite special. These harmonies came from that, mm. um, and that, that's good ten years ago now. And for um, that, to, that, some of those songs were recorded six years ago, so it's been practiced since then. I think if they sound better now live than they did live or on the record, great. That means it's a credit yeah. to our life. The, you know? the, song, the songs can evolve live. That That's great. And thanks for the feedback, Aaron. The fact that there's feedback is good, you know, the feedback yes. and are listening. Yeah. It's, not, it's not just a hang for people. They are listening to the tunes because, yeah, that yeah. makes us feel warm and fuzzy for sure. You know, Absolutely. 
COVID, COVID records, isolation records, that every band that's put something out in the last whatever it is, mm. two or three years, um, bands either embraced it or didn't. Um, we just happened to coincidentally want to record largely ourselves. So we went uh, to Head Gap with our friend Rowan, who made the second record and got a really pro hi-fi drum sound. And we went back to him for final mixing, but everything in between we did ourselves. And yeah, Sam and Ben were sort of flying their stuff in. Um, we enjoy that process. I think every band, you know, eventually goes that way that going to a big studio and being on the clock and maybe doing too much and or rushing um we can sort of take that out of the picture now but yeah comment like that i suppose the pressure's on for the new record then isn't it for these yeah, people who hopefully hear a big full sound that that feels like us live yep. um yeah we'll see i mean it's it's definitely not a criticism it's just something that for me um, I don't know. It seems to be on the album. It just feels a bit backed off. I don't know what it is. Um, and maybe it's the mix on the night at the venue, but isn't it great that, um, you know, you're a great live band. That's what people want. You rather that than go the other way. Right. And people think, Oh mate, these guys are awesome on their album, but you go and see them live and there's just something missing. That's always, you know, yeah. there's nothing about that live, um, live uh band that, that that where the magic comes from for me i mean that that absolutely you know fills my cup every week and that's that's the reason we go out and see gigs and uh no doubt that's the reason you guys play together uh to to do that magic oh, yeah. i've got to say i've been to gigs and seen a band that i love and it not being what i was expecting and it just sort of ruined the experience for me and stopped me from listening to their records after that you know as much as I was. So it's, I'd definitely rather have it the way around that you're saying than, than the other way for sure. Yep. Um, just Sam, if you can hear us, mate, I might get you to go out and then come back in. Um, just seems to be a, a bit of a, a lag on your uh, internet for two seconds. So I will kick you out and bring you back in. Um, boys, uh, it's coming up quickly. It's not far away. The single launch. What a great venue, George Lane, first and foremost. Mm. Um, well, obviously, yeah, there's no doubt of the reasons why you picked it. There's obviously a chemistry for you guys there. Um, was that, you know, was that always going to be the choice or it's just happened to be that way? Um, we were hoping to go back there. We've played there twice now. And uh, Lockie was up for it. So as simple as that, Lachlan and John. Yep. who run the venue with their team, Daryl and co. Yeah, we're willing to have us, so we're very grateful. Um, such a good venue. If anyone watching this or listening back hasn't been, can't recommend it enough. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a purpose-built music venue run by lovely people. I mean, what more could you want? So, yeah, we couldn't be happier to, to launch there um, 11th of March. Saturday week. There you go. Yeah. Um, get onto it, guys. Trybooking.com. But firstly, check out coldironsbound.com uh, and you can find out all the information there. And this is the venue, inside the venue. A little cheeky sneak peek. Um, it's a beautiful venue. There's something about it. It's, it's kind of very much the lounge room scenario um, with a band playing up the end. Uh, I love it. Um, I can't get enough of that place. And uh, 
two awesome hosts, to be honest, John behind, you know, running the bar and Lockie is Lockie is one of the great guys um, in the band booking space. He knows his music. Um, he's out there rocking just as much as everyone else, mate. Um, and he, you know, he loves it. And you can really see and feel that passion, can't you? Um, and I know every musician I've spoken to always says they seem to go above and beyond every time to make you feel welcome. And the bands that are professional are the bands that come back. It's as simple as that, really. So, you know, hats off to you guys. You, you've been asked or, or definitely said yes to. And, and there's bands I know knocking the door down uh, to get into George Lane now. So you must be doing something right. Yeah, that's a good feeling. It's very nice to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Sam, is that, that. A, is that a 12 string acoustic over your left shoulder there? Yeah, it's that's on the record. That is a 12 string acoustic. That's Beautiful. the one that's on the record. Gotcha. Very nice. Aaron, we've got so many guitars. Uh, we're not quite sure where they all are, but you know, common problem, I guess. End up at the um, bass line. I do notice though, even at your gigs, you don't you don't have too many too much gear. There's a lot of bands out there that seem to have a guitar for each song almost, and it's a real switch switch up and getting them all to tune right. It can be not frustrating as a punter because a lot of people love seeing different instruments and they all play differently and they're all different pedals. But sometimes I think it could just be a big over, not overkill, but it can be not maximised your time. And yet, you, let's face it, everyone only gets a small set these days. Um, you don't get a chance to be to be an all day gig, right? So, um, just your thoughts on how, how do you how do you squeeze back um, your gear, and uh, well, how does it work for you guys? It's a choice of songs. Sure. Yeah, the set lists are built around the tuning and, <laughs> yeah, right. and yeah. economy. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, our, our band is beholden to alternative tunings. I'm afraid. So yeah. The set has to go that way, but definitely, yeah. Smaller pedal boards, smaller amps, less guitars, smaller drum kit, lighter drum kit, smaller bass rig. Yep, oh. you know, it's good for the back. Yeah, it's only one or two trips to the car. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We always, um, we always have a little joke between some of us as punters that say, Mate, who'd be the drummer? Mate, you got to bring all this shit, you got to have a big car. Um, but there's nothing like it, is it, James? Sitting at the back. Um, well, I, I have invested in the lightweight cymbal stands, which um, have been a godsend. So they were worth every cent. Yeah, definitely. definitely. The bag used to weigh 45 kilos. I stood on the scales with it once, and it doesn't weigh anywhere <laughs> that much anymore. Yeah, boys, tell us quickly other instruments you play other than what you're playing currently, kind of in the band. Mark, kick off with you. I like playing drums. Um, and I suppose in the context of this band, yeah, I, I like putting the first drums down on the demo and then James does his thing, which is always, yeah, I'm always wondering how it's going to go because he's a proper drummer and I'm not. But I, I like playing drums. I've been doing it a lot the last couple of years. Yep. Um, I'm a hack of a keyboard player. I shouldn't have even said that. So that's me, drums, guitar and, and wailing. Beautiful. And the best instrument in all, the voice. Well done, mate. Um awesome to have sam uh a bit of guitar so i started on guitar and i've gone to bass because there's too many pretty good guitars guitarists around um apart from that um during lockdown i cracked out the mandolin learned how to use that i found this stupid looking thing 
Oh, God, <laughs> threw it away. <laughs> and I will put it away because I shouldn't know how to play it, but I learned how to play it. Fair I don't know. This anything random that comes into my house, I want to learn how to play. Bit of banjo, bit of whatever, you know. Yeah, also awesome. at this place, you know. Um, yeah. and piano and just badly, but like barely, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's all good. Anything that I can pick up with a string, I can try and play. Yep. Yeah. Uh, James? Ben, ben, who's not on the call, is uh, a big acoustic player, like real good technique and touch. And Dobro's um, lap guitars, killer slide player. Harmonica. Yeah. Haven't, yeah, haven't nice. seen him play the piano, but so I can't speak for that. But yep. you should probably. It's a singer, too. Choir boy. Choir boy. There you go. Um, it's amazing how many musos we've interviewed on this show that have got a some version of a choir background or choir in their family um, of some somewhere else. So music, musical families, boys, um, has that been what you've been through or, or around? What's what's your first memory of picking up an instrument? Who, how young were you, and what was it? Well, I I, I decided to buy a drum kit when I was 18 so I didn't really start formally playing anything till then but then sort of yeah dabbled in guitar after that and yeah. um I think I spent a lot of other than drums spent most of my energy and um music production learning the software and all the tricks and stuff like that but yeah. as far as music families go my stepdad was in bands but um currently building an empire and getting my girls into it and gonna have a Hanson band at one point <laughs> Hopefully they'll have me on drums. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Just a quick shout out to one of our good friends on the show, Hannah Schmidley. If you don't know that name, look it up. She's an epic talent and her dad is on drums, which is kind of cool. She's only 21 or something now. Amazing voice, plays a lot of jazz. Um, yeah. Look, keep an eye out for her. So there you go. Just another father. daughter. I think it's combo. better to have a, a good old drummer behind you than a, a shit young one. Correct. Yeah. yeah, or a young girl at the back and old dad at the front. So there you go. Let's not go there. Uh, Mark, what about for you? Not, not a musical family, although my parents are both fans uh, of music. So no, but I was just talking about it the other day. 1988, episode 88, I reckon it's the first time I picked up a classical guitar. It was in my friend Diego Paz's basement in a place right. called Mamaroneck, which is in New York. I grew up partly in New York. And I was an 11, 12-year-old kid, and I went down to his basement, and there was an acoustic classical guitar there. And I remember just plucking it, being mesmerized by it. It was probably out of tune. I probably sounded god-awful, but I was truly in a trance. And then I, I remember putting it away and not picking up a guitar again until a couple of years later. But I can still remember that moment. I could take you to that house now if I, if I was back in that neck of the woods. It's, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, um, and just a quick little shout out to your son Jack Mark, who I uh, saw him at a gig, and I had to take this little snapshot, mate. It was it was epic. It was one of my favourite little shots, actually. Um, you boys at the gem, um, and I had to take this little photo of him recording you guys. Um, it was great to see, and good to have your family around, isn't it, Mark? Um, in and amongst good, great supporters, um, and mate, I would have killed for my old man to be able to play music and go and see him in a band. Um, so. Shout out to our good friend, Rusty Brown from Electric Mary, who I know his kids have always 
gone and seen his gigs and stuff. So, yeah, it's kind of cool to be in that uh, family music environment for sure, rubbing yeah. off. That's great. Bit of community. They they come along. My wife and my son go not at gunpoint. They want to go. <laughs> um, I suppose Jack might question a bit more as he gets older. But, I know, I picked him up. You, we, I saw you the other day, Aaron. He'd just been to a guitar lesson at school, and I went up, picked him up, and I could hear the riff Sunshine of Your Love wafting down the stairs as he was learning that with his guitar teacher, and I thought, it's pretty good. Don't know how he's doing with maths and science, but he's learning <laughs> cream riffs. Yeah, that's pretty cool, cool as well. It is, it yeah. is cool for sure. Um, and, boys, one of the last ones before we let you go is, um, are you lucky enough to be full-time musos, or is there other the world outside of music for you guys? Go with you, James. Yeah, we've all got full-time jobs. Um, yep. This has always been the sort of, you know, the second thing, I guess, for me. But it, it's always been, you know, the only hobby, I suppose. You know what I mean? Um, sure. it, and it's always yep. taken a lot of priority. Um, I, I think it's probably the same for, for most of us over the years. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Helps, helps pay for nice gear. Yeah, it does. Something's got to uh, pay the bills, they say. Um, and we, how many times have you been told, you know, so what are you going to do for a real job? Um, you must be, you must be, you know, love to be in a position where you can just can that idea and play, be a full-time muso for sure, no doubt. Uh, Sam? <clears throat> um, yeah, we've got a full-time job, you know. Yep. Um, I'm... Halfway in the middle of a tour with another band at the moment, and um, you know, working full time and trying to catch up and sleep in between all of that. Still <laughs> I still think it's great. You know, it's yeah. it's really important, and it's it's great for you know social stuff and all that kind of jazz. Um, yeah. To be and working full time, it's it's great as well. Like it's, it turns it all off. It sort of mm. cuts that out for a little bit of your life and then you've got this hobby that you do which is yeah. um I, t I take incredibly seriously um clearly because yeah. yeah but um you yeah no, it's, love it you know yeah. just catching up on sleep at the moment yeah and oh sorry it, it's, yeah. it's, it's an escape from the job and when it yeah, starts absolutely. feeling like a job like it you start not wanting to do it as much so like there's a fine balance to hit yeah yeah, I think that's that is the challenge, isn't it? Try and find, um, especially as you know, gigs heat up as you guys get signed, as you put an album out. Hopefully, more and more gigs. You've got to try and really cram, you know. And then, then this sadly becomes pressures on um, relationships and things like that, where the band's the biggest relationship you want. Um, and if your partner isn't necessarily coming to see the band, that's another challenge. So. Yeah, we can. It's hard to get it right, isn't it? Um, yeah. And I suppose, sadly, that's why bands can break up too. There's been so many bands that died during COVID, but on the back of that, there's also been so many awesome bands that have come out of COVID and young kids and all sorts of dudes out there that um, I've found since COVID uh, and during COVID, actually, that uh, really I probably never would have found if I hadn't have actually had that shutdown time that sat me there and said, what are you going to do now? Who are you going to listen to today? Um, and you're right, Sam. We talked about Spotify and everything before and how you find so many other bands that you just 
probably never would have come across. Um, great as a consumer, it's so great. It's but it's evil, but it's great. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what's How disco, young man? Um, <laughs> yeah, Aaron. Like you know, professional musicians do stuff they don't want to do. I think you know what I mean, yeah. and they get a bit jaded. Whereas if we get the balance right, to James's point. We can just do things we want to do, the stuff we love about being in a band. There's shitty bits. There's shitty bits to every facet of life. But if we can get the balance right and make our band viable for ourselves, um, that's success. You know what I mean? We've all got music qualifications in our background and we're doing it more and more. But, yeah, it's a balance. I don't know that many professional musicians, to be honest. They're out there, but... Uh, they have different economic realities as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. They have less levers to pull. And when everything was shut down, they were truly out of work. People mm-hmm. in hospo and, and full-time musos in the events sector, they were the people who were really, you know, hurting. Yep. Yeah, well, good, good shout-out to When it started up again, um, like I felt bad about saying, well, should we be trying to book gigs or should we be letting yeah. the people who really, really need it like cash in on that? That frenzy of coming back and people wanting to see the gigs and stuff, yeah. Yeah, you know, we were all getting paid, so. we all have jobs, yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, you're super lucky, um, to be able to well, sadly for that time, park park the music side of things, although it's a great release for you guys. So, uh, it's you know, one's a, a mental health struggle because you're not necessarily playing your music, music and being able to have that release, um, and then also. You know, not having that out extra outlet. Um, it's a challenge for a lot of people, but on the back of it, it's it's been a challenge for so many venues out there. Um, you know, there's another couple of venues dropping by the wayside. Um, you I know, sadly. Sale. Yeah, the tote's back for sale. So hopefully, you know, you guys have been lucky enough to play the tote. Um, you'd love to, you know, continue to keep that venue going. So I'd love to somehow have some massive pool of um funds that can come from everyone that threw a dollar in and uh we seem to be able to give to royal children's hospital mate we need we can't keep the tote alive so um we need to start some sort of campaign and keep the tote keep the tote moving because we can't afford to lose music venues let's face it absolutely yep yep yeah places right. like the tote are, in, are important as a cultural institution and you know people's actually have to go to them actually have to go to gigs and buy some drinks over the bar and bring their friends. Um, and that's not anybody on this call or listening to this, but I'm talking about the broader population who know what the toad is mm. as, as a brand. Yep. Yeah, they got to, they got to support it or these things will go away. Yeah. Well, as far as all venues go, if you haven't driven past the tote and had a look at some of the band names that feature on the walls um, and had a chuckle to yourself about some of the amazing band names that, and never walk through those doors, yeah. I urge you to go in there and surprise yourself because yeah. you will guarantee you that you'll find a band you walk out and love within a week. There's so many gigs on, so many bands, um, upstairs, downstairs. Uh, it's a must. So go and treat yourself. Um, now, just on this, speaking of treating yourself, we're going to talk about the launch night again once more. I want to cover off quickly a little snippet of the, the single, uh, the official video. I'm going to quickly have a chat about how that quickly came together. I would just as soon never tune in at all. Don't want to wind it back or attempt to recall. Intellectualize all you want, but I wasn't thinking at all. Yeah. Everybody 
you go. The new single boys for Cold Irons Bound. I wasn't thinking at all. Great lyric, great line, great title. Um, we can have so many of those moments in our life. And I've thought of it every time I've heard this single now. I wasn't thinking at all, mate. That's exactly me um, and being me so many times. Boys, how did this one? I, I know we talked about how it kind of came together and it was a little bit of a sidetrack or it fell off the bottom um, and just made the cut. Um, who came up with it? Where did the lyrics come from? Um, and then we can talk quickly about you know, putting together the film clip, which is all, you know, one of the magic parts of releasing a song. Who wants to kick uh, us off? I wasn't thinking it was a, a Mark song and um, got it in just at the end. It, it's like we like power pop, I suppose. We like punchy rockers, but we also like to stretch out a bit. That That's obviously in the former category. And it was longer, like I said. Like James and I were like throwing it around and James and Sam put the 10 cents in and, and it just got in, turned into a little nugget. It's like two and a half minutes. It's It's angry but sort of accepting of not thinking at the same time. So it's sort of a, a bit of a conflicted rock and roll song. It's not too much going on, in and out pretty quick. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a good choice for the single. Yep. We, everyone about, who heard Mark? it really what's likes it. it. What's it about, Mark? I think it's just that. It's not thinking at all. You asked me what I was thinking about, I'm not thinking at all. It's just switching your brain off because you mm. can't be asked or you're too tired or whatever. Um, it's just a little angry rock and roll song about that. But at the same time, sort of liking it, right? I like switching my brain off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. Don't we all yeah. do that? Like more and more, it seems, yeah. with technology yeah. and just just getting getting older as well and having so much stimulus in our lives. So, yeah, I think it's just about that sentiment. But once songs go out to the world, they become whatever they become in people's minds. That that that's fine as well. We're definitely not precious about that stuff. It's just nice that people listen to them. To be honest, yeah. To me, it's got a, it's just got a lot of Davy Lane about it. Um, you know, to me. Um, so that's a big call for you boys. Um, Davy, as we know, we all respect as a great artist. Um, and he puts out things very similar. So there you go. Um, there's a bit of love there, Sam. You've got a bit of Davy Lane about you. There you go. Um, tell us a little bit about the clip, boys, and who put it together. And, you know, there's a bit of magic in it. Um, and creative cropping, obviously, uh, as well. Um, it's kind of cool. Well, this is, should probably go over you, Mark. Um, but Trev um, was just a massive legend. And I don't know how someone can have that much energy um, to do something <laughs> which we had far less energy to do. Um, yeah, he was just amazing about it and did just such a huge favor with putting it together. But yeah, Mark, you know the context, man. Trevor is Trevor Cotton, who's a, a fine musician in his own right. He's in a band called Font that, that I'm also in. I play drums in that band uh, with our friends, Angie and Nick. And Trevor works at Melbourne Backline Hire. Um, which is just up the road from me here in Brunswick. And so we got to go in there and with his uh, boss's blessings, just play with lots of gear. So there's lots of Fender Twins and Fox AC30s and Ampex fridges. And we got to, and beautiful snare drums, and we got to stack it all up and tear it down oh, again yeah. and then stack it up again and tear it down again and 
yeah, Trevor didn't get tired. To James's point, he's he's a machine, and that whole video is yeah his vision, and he saw it through to the end. We had a shoestring budget, and he made it happen. So much love and respect to Trevor. Yeah, awesome, great stuff, Trev. Um, and look forward to seeing a, a font gig soon um, for a much awaited uh, record release coming up soon. Um, it'll be out there soon enough. Um, George Lane, boys, um, we touched on it earlier. Let's give it a quick plug again. Saturday, 11th of March. It's a matinee, so don't turn up at 8 o'clock or else you're going to miss it. Um, plenty of other things on. There's so much on. I'll quickly fill your week. Um, here we go. Thursday. Sorry, I suggest you hit the gig at the corner Friday night. Um, Super Jesus, make a big comeback with friends of ours, Dallas Crane as well. So that'll be an awesome gig. I played a gig with Dallas Crane two weeks ago. They were fantastic. Just fantastic. Awesome to hear. There you yeah. go. Where was that? Uh, Ballarat Beer Festival. They played oh, yeah, after. Cool. They were just nice. coming back from Adelaide after um, playing with Super Jesus. And there they were go. in fine form. Everyone yeah. go to the corner and see them. That's, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Great rock and roll band. They sure are. Um, and quickly get to the Evel- uh, get to Luli. Um, a couple of great bands on there, which will be a free gig. Crazy, um, crazy to hear free gigs out there uh, these days. Um, first time in Australia, Charlie Crockett. Um, that gig is at, Ooh. I think it's Thornbury um, Picture Theatre. Or- I think. Brunswick Ballroom? Uh, Thornbury Ballroom, I think. Oh, Thornbury Ballroom. Okay, yep, sure. <laughs> uh, so that's 5th and 6th um, of March. So we're, we're filling your week out nicely. Um, 7th and 9th, Jim Lauderdale. Um, unbelievable history, 30-odd yeah. albums um, yeah. he's been involved in and part of. So it's just incredible to hear. Great little venue, Wesley Ann, um, if you can get there on High quickly, Street. Ella Hooper's band at the moment are fantastic. Yeah. So the support, support act, Ella Hooper, go see Ella Hooper do her thing. You know, worth yeah, getting for that. Welcome I'm, back. Ticketed, I'm ticketed for the Wesley Ann on the seventh, Sam. So I'll make sure I get there early. Thanks for the tip. Yep. Um, Michael Hubbard on guitar and several other good old friends of ours. <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome. And just on that, um, boys, the magic of turning up early um, for a gig, a, basically a band you've never heard of, um, that it's a support generally, and you find some absolute gold. Uh, I absolutely love it. Um, Gary Oxley and I always call it a surprise, and I've just found so many gig, either a solo artist um, that's playing or a, a cut down version of a band that's playing as a two piece or three piece. Oh, I think he, it's it's an incredible uh, offering to be able to do that. So make sure you get there early. Don't turn up just for the headline. Um, do yourself uh, the big favor and get there early um, and spend a day out. Exactly. And I just want to pump you guys, um, Mark and Sam, for what you put together with Fuzzy Sundays um, at the Coburg RSL as well. I've had, honestly, some of the best Sunday afternoons there. Um, I know you've only done a few, um, but long may they continue. Thanks, mate. That's the plan. Yeah, every three months, it's still a lot of fun and it's growing and it's about the community as this show is. So, yeah, I don't see it stopping. Do you, Sam? As great as the Coburg RSL is, you know, we can't, Thank that venue enough. Yeah. It's the most amazing space to be able to be able to do something like this. 
Definitely. And I think I think every RSL's missing out that's not doing something like this, put it that way, because I think yeah. it's the birth of the new RSL um, to do what Coburg are doing, and I think it's awesome. And for you guys to put your hand up and um, be able to run those events, uh, hopefully pl plenty of people can get there and support them. So uh, yeah. when can we expect the next one, guys? Give it a quick plug. Is it in the is it in the book? April, in the book. April 30. In the book. Yeah, Line up to be announced very shortly. Awesome. Keep that one under wraps. We'll talk maybe talk about that on another show and we'll get love some bands. To, I'd love to we'll get love some to. bands. Yeah, cool. Um, and then Friday the 10th, we're going to give a quick plug to the Exiles um, that are playing at the old bar. It's an album launch as well. It's awesome to see album launches after album launches on the way for the next couple of months. Uh, it's um, everything should be an album launch. Just get out and celebrate music um, and celebrate. Bring bring a mate that doesn't get to a gig, most importantly, um, and you'll you'll surprise him for sure. So, boys, I'd like to thank you for your time. Um, it's been awesome to have you on episode 88. Um, Mark, thanks for the little push to get this back up and going again. I really appreciate that. We met um, through our friend Naomi um, at Brunswick Ballroom. One afternoon, we had a similar gig to what you guys do with yep. Fuzzy Sundays, I think it was. Yeah, um, I remember well. Western yeah. Weekender, yeah. That's right, yeah. And that's yeah. that's been a great little gig as well. So, um, yeah, thanks for joining me. Um, to Ben, uh, shout out to you, mate. We'd love to have you on and have a chat um, about you and what you do uh, and the magic that you've created in amongst this band as well. So, Mark, Sam and James, thanks for joining us. Cold Iron's Bound. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Good on you, mate. Cheers, boys. Cheers, Look after yourself. And yeah. see you, most importantly, on the 11th at George Lane. Yes. See you then. Cheers, mate. See you, boys.